so great. Hey, I have got a few Bible stories to share with you today, and I'm going to do my best to give you a bit of a nutshell, but a little bit of a disclaimer. This is your opportunity to write down the, the Scriptures that I reference, to write down the Bible stories that I reference, take them home, and start to study them over the week, because there is so much more truth than I have time to give you today. So I want to encourage you to do that. Take, the, take notes today. Take note of these um, amazing Bible stories. And um, I know that God's going to reveal even more to you over the course of this week. And so we've been in a, um, a theme this year called I Hear the Sound of Freedom. And it is very exciting. It's been a great year. And I think um, all the pastors would, would say that we have seen so many moments of freedom for, for so many people. For whatever reason, God's decided now's the time for freedom. And we're seeing it across the church. And it's absolutely incredible. But today I really wanted to speak a little bit about freedom and how freedom is actually here for us right now. You know, during this week, I had this one of those moments that you're like, oh my gosh, what is going on? What is wrong with me? Um, and I was literally looking for my daughter who's 12 and she was standing right in front of me, like really close. And I'm like, Mia, Mia, where are you? And I'm looking everywhere. And then I hear this little voice, yes, mom. And it's very near, like it's right here. It's right in front of me. Mia is standing right in front of me. And here I am looking everywhere else, looking over there and over there and over there, and she's standing right in front of me. And I wondered how that might be that Jesus would feel sometimes for us, that we're so busy looking over there and looking over there and looking over there, maybe looking back there, that we are unaware that He is right here with us right now and that we would miss what God is doing in this moment. And I wonder that maybe God is going to give us an awareness today of what He is doing in our lives right here, right now, in this moment. My message title today is Freedom is Here. Freedom is Here. It's not just over there, and it's not just over there, and it's not just what's next over there, but freedom is here. It is here today. And I want to bring you to Matthew chapter 1, right at the beginning of the gospel, like the grand opener. And we often maybe gloss over the scripture, maybe we skip it even. It's a a whole list of names. But you see, Matthew understood his audience being a Jewish kind of audience. and, And they really, for them, it was really important that they understood the connection of what this gospel was going to bring. That it started with the father of their faith, Abraham, and then it connects all the way to the promise of the Messiah. That is Jesus. And so Matthew really describes in chapter 1 the lineage of or leading up to Jesus and the genealogy of Jesus. And so there's a whole lot of names and we can see some incredible heroes of our faith and some, some stories that we maybe know well. It starts off with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And, um, and when, we, when we read this, we maybe skip over some incredible goal that God has got for us in the Scripture. You see, in, in chapter 1, verse 2, it says this. It says that Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. And I had to stop and think, like, why would it be so important that we talk about his brothers? Here's a list of all the, the people, the, the lineage of Jesus, and, and yet we have to stop for a moment and we have to pause and we have to say, oh, and by the way, and his brothers. The important thing to understand here is that These brothers, 
They literally nearly derailed the entire lineage of Jesus because of what they did. See, one of the brothers, one of the sons of Jacob was the name of Joseph. And if you've read his story before, you'd know it gets pretty hectic. Basically, the brothers are jealous of him. They plot all these schemes to get rid of him. They don't like him at all, and they want to throw him away, and they literally throw him into a pit. And then I'm just going to give you a bit of a nutshell. Basically, he goes from a pit to being sold as a slave, and then he gets like wrongly accused, and you can imagine being in slavery, and then getting wrongly accused after all those years, and then you're thrown into prison, and you're now in prison. He's, he was there for more or less 12 years, and so he's in prison, and now he's like wondering, what on earth is his life for? He had all this amazing prophetic words spoken over to him back before he was thrown into the pit, and ever since then, he's found himself in dark place after dark place after dark place after dark place, and now he's he is in a prison in a foreign country, completely forgotten about, off everybody's radar. But he is not off God's radar. See, God sees him and he is at work. He is at work. And what he does is he raises Joseph up, up through a whole lot of amazing events. And you can read about it in Genesis. He raises him up and he literally positions him in the most powerful nation on earth at the time to prepare this nation for the famine that is ahead. So he arrives in this time of plenty to prepare this nation for a time of famine. And basically, he does such a brilliant job that he is able to carry this nation through this time of famine. And then Joseph's family, you know the ones that betrayed him, the brothers, they arrive in Egypt because they're desperate, they, they're hungry, they have no food. And Joseph is now positioned and he is prepared to rescue his family. And provide for them through this time. You know, the family that literally Jesus comes from. He rescues that very family. And because of how he is positioned, he is able to reinstore what God had purposed in the beginning. You see, it looked like a complete train wreck. But God is a God that when he promises, he delivers. No matter what humanity does with it, right? And that is what we can read about here. And so what we can see is that this purpose that God is bringing about is only possible because He is able. God is able. He is able to take all that circumstance and still restore the promise and the purpose that He has for our lives, for Joseph's life. Isn't that incredible? And so we can flick to Genesis um, in chapter 50. And we can see that Joseph, the way Joseph responds to his brothers. So basically what's happened now, we're we picking this up, is that Jacob is, is on his deathbed, basically. He's giving his final words to all his sons. And then he dies. And the brothers, Jacob's sons, are like, oh my gosh, now that dad's gone, Joseph is going to you know, take revenge on us. And so they basically come to him in chapter 50 and be like, Joseph, have mercy on us. We'll become slaves. We'll do whatever. Just have mercy on us. Spare us. And let's listen to Joseph's response in verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives 
of many people. See, God intended it all for good. God was with Joseph the whole time, outworking his plan. God was outworking his plan in that pit. He was outworking his plan in slavery. He was outworking his plan in the prison. God was on the move the whole time. And there was something about Joseph that he was able to see that God is able, that he is sufficient in all times. And that not only is God out there where the promise is, but God is right here with him every step of the way. You know, sometimes the process is painful and it is hard. And sometimes when God is silent, you feel like He's silent, you just want to give up. But I'm here to tell you that God is at work in your life. Whether you are in the joy or you are in the mourning, God is at work right now. And we can read in a bit earlier where, like I said, Jacob was giving his final words to his sons. And what Jacob speaks out, over Joseph, he says this, that archers attacked him savagely. They shot at him and harassed him, but his bow remained taut. And his arms were strengthened by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. You see, Jacob is recognizing that Joseph was a man that walked with integrity. He was a man that never forgot who God is. He was a man that even though persecuted time after time after time again, he stood in faith. He was faith-filled and faithful to the promises of God and with God at his side. And so Joseph was a man that was able to believe that God is already here, that he's not just out there, but that he is already here. Because the freedom that God has for us is not just found when we get out there or it's not found if we were to go back here, but it is found right where we are right now. You see, the enemy, he doesn't like that. He doesn't like us to know that. He doesn't want us to be aware of that. See, the enemy wants to distract you so that you become unaware to what God is doing right now in this moment. He wants to distract us so that we are unaware of the miracle of the presence of God right now. He wants us to remain unaware that God is here, that He is here in the joy and He is here in the grief. God says, I am here in the waiting and I am here in the celebration. I am here in the losses and I am here in the wins. I am here in the happiness and I am here in the frustrations. God says, I am here and I am able. I am here and I am able. And there's three groups that I want to speak to today. Three groups of people. And the first group is for those that are maybe here and you've walked in with a lot of failure, I guess. You feel like you have a lot of failure in your life. There's a lot of shame in your life, maybe. And you've walked in here and you're like, well, that's really great that God is here and that He is able. But to be honest, I don't really want to approach Him because I have all this failure in my life and this shame in my life. And I don't really want to approach Him. 
I'm kind of scared. I'm held back by my failure. You know, I love a story that we can read about in John chapter 21. And it's of Peter. And Peter is it's just at the end of the, the, the gospel message where Jesus has died and he's risen again, right? He died a gruesome death on the cross and he's risen again. And we're at this, after this resurrection moment and the disciples are all like, what do we do now? And so I love that what they do is they went back to what they know best. They went back to what they were doing before Jesus came and they went fishing. And so Peter was like, hey guys, you know, let's just go fishing. Who knows what to do next? Let's just go fishing. Let's just do what we know. And so they're off and they're fishing and they're not having much luck. And so they've got their net down on the side of the boat. And then they hear this guy from the shore. They can't make out who this guy is, but they hear this guy from the shore and he yells, hey, fellas, put your net on the other side of the boat. So they put their net on the other side of the boat and they catch 153 fish, probably weighs about 300 kgs. And so they have this massive net full of fish. And they can't see this guy It's kind of foggy and they can't really see him on the beach, but he has a fire going. And John, who's in the boat, he says, hey, that's the Lord. And so Peter, he literally chucks back on his tunic or he grabs his tunic and he he goes out of the boat. And I guess we could sort of read it as if he's responding to the fact that the Lord is here and he's on the beach. But actually, what it says is that they all arrived at the same time. So I wonder if in that moment, what Peter actually did was run out and got busy with the fish and the net because he was a little bit like, oh, I just actually had the worst moment of my life because in the most crucial moment of history, when Jesus was being crucified, I literally denied him three times. Can you imagine the shame that Peter must have been feeling and maybe the idea that Jesus is here isn't actually, doesn't actually feel good for him. Maybe the idea that he is waiting actually freaks you out a bit because there's shame or there's failure. So they arrive on the shore and Peter comes through that fog and there is Jesus making them breakfast on this fire. And what Jesus does in that moment is he restores Everything for Peter. He offers him forgiveness. And maybe the message for you here, if you've walked in with that sense of failure on your life, it's not just that I am here and I am able, but it's that I will forgive. Maybe you need to hear that. And if that is you, I would like you to posture your hearts, even right now, so that you're ready to receive that forgiveness. You know, if we go back to that Matthew scripture, if we head down to verse 6, we'll see that I love that actually God doesn't want us to gloss over the failures of humanity. Actually, if we read all through that, you'll read names like Tamar. Go and read about her story. It's pretty horrific. Go and read about Rahab. She was a prostitute. She's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. And if you go to verse 6, you'll see Bathsheba. Bathsheba. Well, that moment was pretty horrendous. See, David, this, this guy, this King David that we talk about, a hero of the faith. David, he took Bathsheba, even though he was his mate's wife, and then he killed his mate 
so I didn't feel so bad. That's Bathsheba. And so what I love about Matthew 1 is that it doesn't gloss over the failures of humanity. What it says is, Jesus, I have come to forgive. I have come to conquer all. And even with the failures of humanity, I will still outwork the purposes and plans that I have for you. And that is what he would say to you. I will take your failures and I will use it to restore you. I will restore you back to the purpose and the promise that I have for your life. And that is his message for you right here today. He takes the failures, he sees them all, but it doesn't stop him. Maybe you need to hear that. And the second group of people, and maybe you're here and you've been waiting a long time for that thing over there, whatever it is. Maybe it's an opportunity. Maybe there's a call of God on your life and you're like waiting for it. Maybe it's a healing journey that you're on and you're waiting for that healing. Maybe it's a relationship breakdown that you're waiting for restoration in and you're seeing over there, but you've been waiting for a while and your heart is becoming hard and you're missing what God is doing right here because you're losing hope. You're becoming disillusioned by the waiting. And I believe that God would say to you today that He is here right now in your waiting. I love if you go to Mark 6, and you can read about this more later on, but if you go to Mark 6 and verse 51 and 52, you will see this most incredible miracles at work. Jesus is literally walking on water, but it says that they still haven't caught up with the program, that Jesus is a miracle working God. And they haven't even understood all about the miracles that Jesus has already performed previously. And it says that their hearts were hard to, hardened to it. They couldn't receive what God was doing right here, right now, because their hearts were becoming hard. Maybe you're here and the message you need to hear is not just that I am here and I am able, but also that I can restore, I can heal that hardened heart. And maybe you're missing what God is doing right here, right now, because your heart is not soft to receive it. And you've lost sensitivity to what God is doing because you've lost the hope. You know, the enemy would have you walk in and walk out of gatherings like this, unaware of what God was doing in that moment. He would rob you of the miracle of the presence of God by hardening your heart, by having you give up. Don't give up. We see in Joseph's story that God used it all for good, for the purposes and plans that He had. Don't give up. God is here, He is able, and He can restore, and He can heal. And as the band comes up, I want to speak to the third group of people here today. Maybe you're here and you're not sure about this whole thing. And maybe you've never gone on the journey of having Jesus in your life and you don't yet know what that looks like. No, I love that there's this time, this passage, and you can find it at the end of every one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can find it towards the end where Jesus is risen from the dead. So He's, he's died on the cross for us so that we would not be separated from the love of the Father. He died on the cross for us and then He's risen from the dead. 
and He is standing at the garden tomb and He is waiting. And He is waiting and then Mary approaches Him and Jesus has been there waiting and His message to her and His message to us is that if I can overcome death, then I can overcome whatever it is that you've done in your life, that you too can receive me in your life, that you can come exactly as you are because I am a God that overcomes all things. And so maybe you're here and you've yet to receive the love of Jesus. I wanna let you know it is for you today. That today could be the day that you start that journey. You don't have to know anything at all. You just have to say, I choose to believe. I choose to believe. And then He will take you on the most incredible journey of freedom 